And we are right back at it and glad to be here. The phone lines are open. This is, of course, a call-in show. The Employment Hour, Liam Moody, set to go. It is 604-280-9898 or star 9898 on your cell, ready to take your calls uh, for the next hour and to hear what you have to say on this lovely afternoon in uh, in Vancouver. Want to talk employment loss, severance? Have you been let go? You fear you're going to be let go? Maybe it was just after the holidays, just before the holidays. Maybe you got a severance paper in front of you and you haven't signed it yet because you've heard the show and know you're better to get some advice before you make any move. That is a wise move, always is, and we encourage you to do so and call into the show uh, here this afternoon. Now, normally, Leah, we do a week that was, but we're going to do kind of a yearly wrap of 2018, yeah. a year that was. So I know you got several things you want to talk about. Uh, what's first on the docket, as they say? Yeah, so, you know, normally we do do the week that was, um, but mm-hmm. this is the first show of the new year, and it's right after Christmas, so... You know, my last week was more eggnog than legal work. So I thought it would be a good idea to do the year that was. And by that, I mean like big developments in the law in 2018, trends I've noticed, uh, blind spots that continue to be blind spots and probably always will be blind spots. Mm -hmm. Um, Everything that 2018 brought for employment law, because at the end of the day, that is what this show is about, right, John? It's it's about bringing information to as many people as we possibly can, educating both employees and employers, letting people know what their rights are and how to fight for them and what their obligations are and how best to see them through. Employment law, in my view, can be a bit of a quagmire and it's changing all the time. That's why this is the only area of law that I do. I wouldn't be able to stay on top of anything else. And part of my job, I think, is to help bring information to the public, which is why I love doing this show. And actually, with that in mind, I'd love to invite our listeners to to contact us, email us, if there are any topics you'd like to hear about on this show that we haven't covered before, even if you'd like to hear about in more detail, give us a call. Um, But without further ado, the year that was... Um, uh-huh. So so number one has to be the legalization of cannabis. Um, a lot of people see this as being the biggest change to employment law. It certainly made the biggest splash, had the most headlines. I had plenty of opportunities to speak about it, um, you know, either on the media or various talks, um, asked okay. a lot of questions about it. But it didn't actually make that much of a change to the landscape of the employment relationship. You know, the things that we need to be cautious about and aware of with cannabis are the same things we needed to always be cautious about and aware of with alcohol or prescription drugs. You know, I think a lot of people thought that the legalization of cannabis signaled some sort of free-for-all or, you know, the beginning of a spiral into a degenerate workforce where the employer (laughs) can do absolutely nothing about it because, hey, it's legal now. But an employer, first and foremost, retains the entitlement and the responsibility to keep the workplace safe and healthy. So if an employer bans alcohol while working hours are, are ongoing... Uh, they can also ban cannabis use. Um, If you're disciplining or sending somebody home for being drunk on the job, you can, Mm -hmm. of course, also discipline or send someone home for being high. Um, On the flip side, if an employee is dependent on alcohol or cannabis, an employer has a duty to accommodate that dependency. If an employee needs heavy-duty prescription medication during work hours, or if an employee needs medical marijuana during work hours, an employer can take the necessary steps to ensure that the employee is performing his or her job in a safe manner. And that could include requiring him to get medical approval to work or transferring him to another role. 
Um, and on a final note here, I think it's important for employees to know that, you know, the legalization of cannabis is really actually not the beginning of a free for all. Even if you have a even if you have a boss that allows you to use cannabis at work social functions, it's so important to be smart about it, just like you would with alcohol. Someone who is too drunk at a Christmas party will be just as unsavory to an employer who is someone as someone that is too high. And remember, always an employer doesn't need a reason to terminate you. They can just do it. So be smart about any kind of usage, even if it's allowed. You know, the it, it's funny you mentioned the relationship and the uh, you know the close relationship when you look at it between um, legal cannabis and alcohol. Because I may or may not have been in a vape shop before Christmas looking at vape. I don't know. <laughs> yeah. Rumors no have it. I could have been. <laughs> yeah. No one can tell. <laughs> But while I was I was talking to a kid there, just getting some information about how all these things work, from you know low price to the high price Cadillac models, and then we're going through some stuff. I just wanted to learn about this whole thing now that it's legal. And a uh, a girl walked in there and she was vaping. She goes, "Oh, sorry, maybe you can't actually vape in here." She goes, "Well, you sell vapor and you sell the oil here." He goes, "Yeah, but you can't do it within the store." She goes, "Isn't that kind of weird though?" And I kind of it, it kind of I kind of said to them quickly. I said, "You know, if think about it like an LCBO, you you can buy alcohol." At the LCBO, right at the at, yeah. uh, at uh, you know in 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 the province, uh, BC, Ontario, Manitoba, it doesn't matter where you are. You can go into specific places and buy your government alcohol. That's fine, but you can't go in there drinking a beer. Absolutely right? not. And she goes, well, you sample. She goes, I can sample the uh, the vape here. And I go, yeah, but sometimes when you walk into a liquor store, they have samplers set up there as well. It's it's the exact same thing, just treat it the same way, right? Yeah, and I mean, and you know, probably even more uh, comparable to the workplace is. Um, you know, smoke breaks, right? I think a right. lot of employers think, you know, oh, well, does this mean I have to let people use cannabis products inside? And, you know, how right. is a customer going to uh, um, react to that smell? But, you know, absolutely not. First of all, you don't have to let it on your property at all, right? But if for whatever reason you decide to do so, or if you let people do it after work hours, you know, then it has to be subject to all the same rules as cigarette smoking. Um, So there really ends up being not that big of a difference. But I mean, that's such a perfect example, John, because so many people, I think, have this idea that this is different in in some regard. And it's really not. It's, you know, if if any question comes to your mind, either as an employee or an employer uh, with respect to cannabis use in the workplace, ask yourself, what would my answer be if this was alcohol? What would my answer be if this was cigarettes? What would my answer be Mm -hmm. if this was, you know, Vicodin, you know, really, really heavy duty prescription medication? And that is more likely than not going to be your answer for cannabis as well. By the way, a call-in show. You have any uh, comments or questions about this topic or any others as we work through the hour? 604-280-9898 or star 9898 on your cell. The gear that was. What else you got coming up right now? I got short service employees, which is a huge one. It's massive. And by that, I mean employees who've been working for a company for less than three years. Okay. So I'd say anywhere between three months and three years. Short service employees in BC are being awarded longer and longer periods of notice with what appears to be a specific emphasis on how long it can take these individuals to find alternate work. Our courts, rightly, I think, have said that those employees with short periods of service on their resume may not be as attractive to prospective employers as other candidates. And that makes sense because you could have a lot of companies asking, you know, 
what's wrong with that person? Why were they only there for a short period of time? You know, did they quit? Um, which could it, which could indicate a lack of loyalty, or you know, were they fired so so quickly after they started? Which could indicate a lack of ability or lack of fit. You know, right. these employees often don't have reference letters because they weren't really employed long enough to have the employer form a strong opinion mm-hmm. about them, um, and so they're really at a disadvantage in the job market. And our courts recognize this and award them longer periods of notice. Um, And I actually represented a client this year, and you know I like to take any opportunity I can to brag about this, John, who was employed for (laughs) six months and he was awarded six months at trial. You know, a a couple weeks later, another decision came out. Uh, It was a two and a half year employee and he was awarded eight months at trial. Um, and the bottom line for most of these cases is going to be two to three months. So even if you've been there for six months, nine months, a year, year and a half, chances are most courts are going to find that you're entitled to a floor of two to three months. Of course, that is you know not including if you a situation where you have an employment contract that limits you to less than that. But if you don't have an employment contract that limits you, then your bottom line is going to be two to three months. Unfortunately, this is still a really big blind spot for most employees. Most employees who are short service employees get one week and they think, yep, that makes sense. I was there for six months. I'm probably just going to get a week. And they don't even bother to call us. But the big blind spot also really extends to employers as well. A lot of people just do not think or believe that someone who's worked for such a short period of time could be entitled to such a significant period of notice. But it's true, and they are. So when it comes to short service employees, our courts in BC that say that employees who have been employed for less than three years are entitled to disproportionately longer periods of notice, again, with a floor of about two to three months. And if the job search takes a longer time than that, despite your best and most reasonable efforts to secure other work, it could be quite a bit longer, you know, in that six to nine month range, as we have seen, and I think we're going to continue to see. So the moral of the story is that I mean, no matter what, if you have a severance package in front of you, give us a call, okay? Because 98% of the time, it is not going to be what you're entitled to. But if you're a short service employee, don't don't write yourself off. You are likely entitled to much more than you've been given. We'll take a short break. I know you want to get into uh, family status protection and hashtag me too, hashtag time's up, reflecting on 2018, the year that was. Uh, the phone lines are open, by the way, 604-280-9898 or star 9898 on your cell. It is a call-in show, of course. And to reach out to outside of show hours, if you don't want to be on air, send an email, help at employmenthour.com. And to reach Leah and the rest of the crew, 604-283-3123. It's the Employment Hour right here on CKNW. Still plenty of time for you to uh, to call and ask your questions here to Leah, 604-280-9898 or star 9898 on your cell. And a reminder, as always, if you're wondering what your severance should be, even if you have a letter in front of you or not, severancepaycalculator.com is the first place you want to go. And then, of course, uh, make that phone call and email to catch uh, and get a hold of Leah and the rest of her team there at the uh, the firm as we continue here with the uh, the week that was, the year that was, back reflecting in 2018. Next stop you want to talk about, Leah, is uh, family status protection. Yeah, and specifically the expansion of the family status protection because right. very few 
employees that I speak with understand or appreciate that family status is a protected ground under our province's human rights legislation. Mm-hmm. You know, the the flashy ones are, you know, race and sex and disability, you know, even religion or age most people know about. But a lot of people don't appreciate that family status is a protected ground. And even those that do don't really have a grasp on what it right. is meant to be included under the definition of family status. <clears throat> Part of the reason, I think, is because the words themselves, um, family status, aren't really that instructive in and of themselves. Um, but it is, in all fairness, also difficult because the law is still being worked out on this front as well. And this past year, it seems that that definition is expanding. Family status, in large part, usually tends to mean family responsibilities. It most often, uh, in our case law, has meant parental responsibilities, so you know your childcare obligations. But it has also been extended to include care of aging parents. Um, you know, responsibilities is also an important word here because it has to be more than just a preference. You know, I would love to be home every day to put my daughter to bed. Um, you know, in most days, I'm I'm happy to make that work, but I can't insist upon that as a human right. However, your obligations to a family member are protected under the human rights code and an employer cannot interfere with them. And this is important because the ground of family status, unlike a lot of the other grounds uh, under the code, the family status ground applies to every single one of us or very well likely could one day. Um, You know, if your parents are aging or ailing and your work won't allow you the requisite accommodation to attend to that responsibility, that could be contrary to the code. If you are a parent and, you know, and your work is moving you to a new shift where you won't be able to pick your kids up from daycare and there are no other arrangements that could reasonably be made, this could also be contrary to the code. In any case where there's a conflict between your responsibilities and obligations at home and your responsibilities and obligations at work, it may be a good idea to just check in with a lawyer, you know, or call the human Mm -hmm. rights tribunal directly to chat about whether the employer is acting appropriately and to ensure that you're taking advantage of the protection that our legislation provides for us, because that at the end of the day is why it's there. Questions or comments, still got plenty of time, 604-280-9898 or star 9898 on your cell to call in for the remainder of uh, this hour this afternoon and ask your questions about your jobs or any of the topics so far that we discussed on the year that was. I know we want to get to a big one, a big one which uh, initially was uh, really one out of, uh, of Hollywood and the entertainment scene, but it has since and will continue to trickle down to the mainstream uh, worker and employee and employer in this country, and that is, you know, hashtag me too and uh, stuff that happened last year and hashtag times up as well, right? Yeah, it's um, it's really never ending. You know, I yeah. think that, um, you know, it the its big moment was, I guess, two years ago, um, but it's still really um, powerful in our society. I think a lot of people are becoming alive to the fact that harassment in the workplace is not okay. (laughs) And that a lot of people, a lot of subordinates are made to feel like they need to put up with a certain amount of behavior or atmosphere in the workplace in order to fit in and get along. That's, it's so pervasive. And you have more and more people, I think, sitting up and paying attention and saying, this is not okay. It's not okay to come to work every day and feel scared or feel anxious or feel like you don't know 
um, that you've got a safety net that you can rely upon at work. And so, you know, our laws are starting to adapt. Um, you know, uh, our courts are always a little bit behind, always a little bit slower to do so. And actually over this next year, I really want to undertake a little bit of a project to see how our courts have been responding to the Me Too and Time's Up movement. Um, but, you know, at the end of the day, these movements have really shown us that harassment and assault happen all the time, much more frequently than I think anybody really appreciated, even those people who have lived through it. Um, and so what I wanted to talk about today really briefly is, you know, the way that we can continue to kind of purge that from the workforce is if we continue with the reporting, is if we continue to sit up and say, this is not okay. And so in those kinds of situations, if you're an employee, you know, what What can you do? And I always, the first thing that I always say in a situation like this, because it's, it's you know, pretty, um, you know, non-confrontational. Um, sure. A lot of people don't feel um, very comfortable making a complaint at first blush is to at least to start to paper your file. Okay. Um, you know, write emails to yourself, keep a written journal if you want to, keep a note on your phone, just start documenting these incidents to yourself. Um, you know, what happened, the day that it happened, who, if anybody witnessed it, if you complained to anybody, those kinds of things. You know, the next step is you need to follow your company's harassment policy. That's what it's there for. And Every company um, in BC is legislatively required to have a harassment and bullying policy in place. They can get fined if they don't have one. Um, And that harassment and bullying policy needs to explicitly spell out what somebody is supposed to do if they feel like they're being harassed in the workplace. So follow that policy. Um, If you don't feel comfortable doing that, then perhaps speak to a superior that you trust. But know that at the end of the day, the law is there to protect you. And, you know, in some ways, the law has always been there to protect people. But what's really helpful now with the case in the case of, um, of harassment complaints is that our society is also kind of finally catching up. Um, right. You know, less and less people are being isolated in the workplace after making harassment complaints. If you get fired after making harassment complaint, all it takes is a couple of notes on Twitter and, you know, that company is going to get every bad Yelp review that people can think of, right? I mean, yeah. employers are very, very attuned to this now. And so even if it's completely selfishly motivated, even if it's just to avoid the bad Yelp reviews and the mean Facebook comments uh, and the people, you know, boycotting their business in droves, you know, they, they, will, they will take it seriously for that reason and that reason alone. Um, and I... Th- yeah, go ahead. I, th- I was just going to say, I think at this point, like you said, if if you ignore it or if you're not proactive in in dealing with uh, with a case of harassment, you're going to be a pariah in the workplace as well. As far as either a business or as a boss or as a, as a, a senior person in the company, you you have to. You should always have to, and you should you, you were mandated to do so by law always. But now it's like you know the boys will be boys thing. That doesn't pass a smell test anymore. No, it doesn't. I mean, and so many things don't pass the smell test, right? I mean, you have a you have a lot of people still defending sexual harassment claims by saying, you know, well, you know, they were always so nice to me and, you know, they they came along to this social event and, you know, it's people do these kinds of things to fit in, especially when there's a power imbalance. Um, and, you know, the other reason why I don't understand why employers haven't always been standing up to this is because people who feel bullied in the workplace aren't going to be productive, 
You know, they, right. they're they going to be miserable and their mind is, half of their mind and focus is going to be somewhere else. And so again, purely selfishly as an employer, don't you want to provide that safety net to your employees to know that it's a healthy and supportive working environment for them? Because at the end of the day, if, if your employees aren't engaged, then they're not going to be performing meaning, meaningful or productive work. Um, and I really believe that it's an employer's responsibility to change the culture, uh, that it has to be a trickle-down effect. You know, uh, And the beauty about the Me Too movement is that it's been such a, a grassroots movement. But I think for companies, it's really up to management and ownership to show that you know this is the kind of place where we do have open door policies and you know uh, you don't have to report it just to have it be investigated you know if if you see something that's untoward um, you know you're you're going to undertake that investigation because it matters to the company to have a workplace free from harassment and bullying um, so it's it's a big one and it's going to continue to unfold over the next couple of years um, but I think that the biggest part of all of that is educating people as to what they can do in those kinds of situations um, and reminding employers about what they have at stake if they don't. You need an employment lawyer when that is where we're going to go after a short break. Lines are open. It is a call-in show, as you know, 604-280-9898 or star 9898 on your cell. It's Employment Hour on CKNW. And right back at it, uh, we continue here. The number is uh, 604-280-9898 or star 9898 on your cell to call in. Uh, it is a call-in show. We were during a break there, so if you tried to get through, feel free to call us right back. We'll get you on the air with uh, your questions. In the meantime, Leah, what we want to talk about uh, this week now that we're back into 2019, you need an employment lawyer when dot, dot, dot. That is a topic you want to cover, right? Yes, it is. Please and thank you. <laughs> so the, the first one is um, when you've been let go. Um, like I just said before the break, you know, 98, and I mean that, like 98% of severance packages I see are not sufficient. And I do mean the severance packages that I see that are not, um, in accordance with a, an enforceable contract. So if you don't have a contract or an agreement that sets out what you get in the event of a termination, Mm -hmm. then the vast majority of severance packages I see do not meet the person's common law entitlements. Very rarely does somebody call me and I get the pleasure of saying, you know, the company did right by you and you should accept it, you know, sign it and run. Um, And I love when I get to say that, but the truth is, is that it just, it happens very, very rarely. You know, if it, if it happened more often, I would probably not have the busy practice that I do, right? A lot of employment lawyers would be out of a job. Um, In most cases, I think it's important to understand that the employer is really just trying to get the best possible deal for itself. Um, Or, Mm -hmm. you know, oftentimes the employer just hasn't gotten the right advice, you know, so they have no idea in short service employees is a great example. You know, a lot of employers just don't know what a short service employee is entitled to, or even if they know the right notice period, they don't know that that employee is entitled to be made whole. And of course, by that, I mean, entitled to receive a bonus during the, uh, the notice period commission, continuation of benefits, continuation of pension Mm -hmm. contributions, MSP premiums. So the key here 
uh, is don't sign anything. You know, your entitlements are what they are. And you taking some time to review it, um, to digest it and have your package looked at by a lawyer does not change those entitlements. But once you accept it, there's nothing that you can do. Um, It's important to keep in mind that if you do accept it, the odds are that you're likely leaving a significant amount of money on the table. So, you know, take the letter home with you, check our severance pay calculator just to get a quick idea of what your entitlements are. But ultimately, you know, give us a call and we can tell you right away either that it's in line with whether with what you're entitled to or more likely than not that it falls short. And then we can help you improve upon that package and negotiate with the company. As we work our way through this list of uh, the times and uh, times exactly you need an employment lawyer, feel free to call in and ask your questions as well, 604-280-9898 or star 9898 on your cell. Uh, first one, do you need an employment lawyer when, obviously, you've been let go? Oh, yes. Yeah. I mean, and that's, you know, one that, um, you know, I was just hoping to refer to with respect to getting a severance package. You know, if you've been let go, you need to contact a lawyer, Um, you know, whether that be for cause or without cause, no matter what the reason is, no matter how understandable you think that it is, um, you need to just at least run the situation by a lawyer before you sign off on anything. Because once you sign that release, once you uh, agree to whatever it is that's been put in front of you, the overwhelming likelihood is that you won't be able to do anything about it. So, you know, even if the company um, is going through really difficult financial times and you understand that, um, you know, even if you've, um, you know, recently indicated that in a year or so you might like to retire and then Mm -hmm. they terminate you, it doesn't matter. You still need to have the package reviewed and looked at by a lawyer if you've been let go. And and that's just really the bottom line. Um, Most of our consultations are scheduled for 30 minutes. Uh, I can do a lot of them in 15 if they're straightforward enough. Um, And so it's really not a big chunk of your day to spend to get the closure that you might need to have before you can move on to hopefully bigger and better things for you. And listen, if you want to get hold of Leah and the rest of the team anytime when the show is not on here during this hour on your uh, your Sunday help at employmenthour.com is the email and the number to reach out, 604-283-3123. Right now, though, uh, we're talking about times you need an employment lawyer. Um, and this one's kind of, I like the fact that you put this one on there because this one seems kind of sneaky, but uh, the employer's building up a case against you with bad performance reviews. Now, as an employee, most people would think, oh, they're just writing bad performance reviews. But no, 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 there's a history going on there and that could bite you in the rear end come uh, come a little a little ways down the road, right? Yeah, or a lot of people think, oh, I just won't sign them, you know, right. and, and that will yeah. be enough to cover me. Um, and I often don't hear from people until after they've, there's been a termination for cause. And then all of a sudden the employer is relying on all of these bad performance reviews as the basis for giving you no severance. So as right. soon as you start feeling like a case is being made up against you, you need to contact an employment, law- or an employment lawyer. I, we see this all the time, right? And, and probably the most common scenario in which this happens is when a new manager has been hired. Um, often there can be a personality conflict or, uh, you know, the manager just doesn't, you're, it's not a personality fit. Um, uh. But also when a business has sold, you know, or there's some, there's some other change and uh, there's been some sort of acquisition or merger and one of the companies wants to bring in all of their own guys and there's overlapping positions. And so you need a way to get people out cheaply. Um, and a lot of people in this situation 
all of a sudden start having that like spidey sense feeling that you're being set up to fail. And the whole point of this one is to listen to that spidey sense feeling. And you know, if, if you have always had a successful career and then all of a sudden you start getting these discipline warnings for your performance that you just don't think are warranted or seem to be really out of nowhere, it usually indicates that your employer could be attempting to build a case to terminate you for cause. And again, what that means is that they're trying to terminate you without paying you any severance. If this starts to occur, it's important to speak to an employment lawyer because there are steps you really can take to preempt this and they go much beyond just refusing to sign it. For example, I always recommend that an employee drafts a response to yes. an unwarranted or unfair discipline or warning. And you ask that company explicitly to include that response in the employment file. You know, in that response, you should explain why the warning you feel is incorrect and provide your side of the story because ultimately that's going to be extremely valuable evidence for you if the employer does eventually terminate because it shows that you weren't listened to. Um, that you were, you could be, it could show that you were being targeted, but more often than not, it shows that you weren't being given a fair opportunity. And that specifically extends to performance concerns. So if you feel like you don't understand what the standards are that you're being held up against, ask. And most importantly, ask in writing. Because for an employer to terminate you on the basis of poor performance, they have to show that the standards were made clear to you. And so if you write, to your employer to say, I don't understand what these standards are. I don't understand the metric to which I'm being measured against. Then you've got, you've got a built in defense in, you know, what would probably take about 15 minutes of writing. You know, and it's amazing. And I know you said countless times on the show that when it comes to a situation like this, always, always reply in writing because if it's not in writing, it's as good as it didn't happen. Right. The the verbal is no good. Yeah. And, you know, what I think you have to consider at the end of the day, too, is paper matters. And an employer who's writing these performance warnings and disciplinary notes, you know, they're going to be showing up to court with a binder full of paper that a judge is going to take a look at and say, well, you know, if you disagreed with this, why didn't you say something at the time? If the standards weren't clear to you, why didn't you ask for that clarification? And, you know, not doing so isn't necessarily going to be the death knell, right? But the more that you can build up or shore up your position, get all your ducks in a row, just sort of really reduces the chance that you're ever going to have to get in front of a judge in the first place. So, you know, why, um, you know, just do everything that you can to reduce that stress, reduce that legal bill, um, and, uh, and, you know, maybe prevent the situation from occurring in the first place because, you know, maybe they're not setting you up. They just didn't realize that the standards were not made clear to you. And then once you ask... Then they give you the metric at which you're going to be measured against, and then you can, you know, perform to those standards. Um, so, yeah, I, I I really think that it's it's important to contact an employment lawyer in this situation, um, just if for no other reason than to understand the things that you need to do in your particular situation to make sure that you're protected. You need an employment lawyer when? That's where we're going to pick it up after a short break. You want to reach out and talk to us. You have questions about this topic uh, or any other, for that matter, the remainder of the show. Feel free to call and uh, get Leah to answer them and give you some advice at any rate. 604-280-9898 or star 9898 on your cell. It's the Employment Hour on CKNW. 
Still some time for you to slide a phone call in there, ask your questions, 604-280-9898 or star 9898 on your cell. In between that time, though, we're going to get back to our list of the times you need an employment lawyer. Uh, next one, this one's uh, got a big red beacon on it, and that is you've been offered a new employment agreement to sign. Now we're talking about when you're already working too, right? Yes, yeah. And the reason why uh, it has that big red beacon uh, is because employers very rarely are giving you a new employment agreement for your benefit. Um, You know, it's usually because they have just gotten their own legal advice and, you know, an employment lawyer is saying to them, what do you mean you don't have your employees on contracts? Don't you know that, you know, you're going to be extremely exposed um, if you don't? I mean, I tell all of my employer clients that they need to have their employees on contracts for all sorts of reasons. Um, But, you know, it's important to go into these kinds of things with eyes wide open. I think that contracts can be a really good idea for both employers and employees, but it is not a good idea to sign it without reading it. And it is definitely not a good idea to sign it without speaking to an employment lawyer, especially, especially if there are terms or provisions in that contract that you read and you don't understand, um, or you're not sure how they impact you. Usually a new employment agreement during the employment relationship is going to introduce some sort of new or negative term to your employment relationship uh, that is going to hurt you as an employee in some way or another. Many times it is to introduce a clause that limits your termination entitlements. And again, the reason why this is so significant is because, you know, John, say you've been working for 12 years at a place and uh, and you know all of a sudden you get a new employment agreement if you're and you sign it and it limits you to the termination entitlements under the BC Employment Standards Act if you were terminated the day before you signed that contract you would probably be entitled to about 12 to 14 months of severance if you were terminated the day after you signed that contract you're getting eight weeks brutal right like i i just don't think that the difference between what you're entitled to under a good contract and what you're entitled to without a contract really um resonates with a lot of people which is why i try to use examples and repeat it here as much as i can because that employment contract can be the difference between you having two months to pay for your groceries and to cushion yourself while you're looking for that dream job. Um, or it could be the difference of a year, right? And that, that's significant, um, you know, especially in, in a market that uh, you haven't been in in a really long time, you know, and you need to get reacclimatized to how people search for jobs these days. You know, I have a lot of people who uh, have been employed for 20, 25 years. They've been terminated. They're getting back into the job market for the first time. And they're like, what's, what's monster.ca? You know, yeah, right. what, what uh, a Skype interview? What is a Skype interview? You know, it's, right. it's a totally different market. And you need a lot of time to update your resume and reacclimatize that job market. And you'd be surprised at how much time you need in order to bring yourself up to speed. So, Anyway, long roundabout way of saying that one or two sentences in a new employment contract, because that's all it takes is one or two sentences Mm -hmm. can really, really hurt you in the event of a without cause termination. And there are all sorts of other clauses that can be inserted in there as well that can hurt you. Uh, You know, they can allow a company to place you on a layoff, a temporary layoff. 
uh, whenever they uh, need to because of the needs of the yeah. business. Uh, it can let them relocate you or demote you even. Um, you know, it's, it's, um, it's pretty significant stuff here. So I really think that this is probably short of um, you know, being let go, getting an employment agreement, either at the outset of the employment relationship or during, I think it's always a good idea to have it reviewed because it could have a major impact on you if your employment is ever terminated. If your employer is unwilling to negotiate with you, uh, and this is during your employment that you've been given this mm-hmm. new contract, then just don't sign it. Simple as that. Yeah. Just don't sign it. Yeah. You're not. You can't be punished for not signing it. And you know, to use the example of you, John, if you refuse to sign that contract, and the company says, "Well, fine, we're going to terminate you." Guess what? Fine. You're still getting that yeah. 12 to 14 months of severance. Right. Um, so far, better to do that than to sign the contract and then be terminated six months down the line and only get the eight weeks. How about the scenario where I've jumped the gun? I didn't phone Leah. I signed this new contract mid-employment. Now, is it legally binding? Does it does it hold its weight if they don't give me something for it? A one-time bonus, a raise, a new car, something. I mean, do, you know, <laughs> do, they, do they not have to give you something to make it legally binding? Yes, they do. And there was actually oh. recently a case that made quite a splash in BC. There was a court of appeal decision. It wasn't an employment law decision, but it was. Um, there was a lot of discussion in it. About about this idea of consideration, about the idea of getting something in exchange for agreement to new terms. Mm -hmm. And there was hints in this case that you might not actually need consideration. Um, And it hasn't really played out in the employment law context in BC yet. I think for the most part, the employment law bar is pretty well agreed that the power dynamic and specifically the power disparity between an employer and an employee will ultimately make sure that that case has no bearing on an employment relationship. Um, But, you know, all of that nerdy academic stuff aside, (laughs) let's just assume that the status quo stays the status quo. And that is, yes, if you are making a change to a contract uh, as as an employer, um, you have to provide them something that they wouldn't otherwise be entitled to in order to make sure that that's enforceable. So a gotcha. lot of employers think, uh, you know, well, I'll just um, I'll just do this at the time of performance reviews and salary raises, and that'll be the consideration. But it doesn't necessarily work like that. You know, if they've been getting 3% salary raises every year for the last 10 years and you're just giving them another 3% salary raise, that is not a benefit that they would have otherwise been entitled to. Um, Mm -hmm. So you have to give them something. And it'd be fabulous if it was a new car, but (sighs) it it doesn't, it can be as little or as great as you want. Um, You know, I, a lot of employers I see doing like $100 signing bonuses. You know, some people, give like $20 gift cards to Tim Hortons. And as long as it's specifically in exchange for signing the contract and it's not given until after that contract has been signed, then that is the consideration that you need to make that contract enforceable. Without it, you run the risk that the contract is completely null and void. Getting down the nitty-gritty as far as uh, time for you to call in, but you still have a couple minutes here. It is uh, 604-280-9898 or star 9898 on yourself. You have a question as we get close to the uh, the end of the show. In the meantime, though, uh, we're going to write down the list of the times you need an employment lawyer. Uh, this one here, uh, your employer will not let you come back from disability or won't accommodate a medical restriction. 
Yeah, this is a big one. And you know, speaking of quagmires, this is a this is a big one. This is a this is wow. a lots of landmines to deal with here. You know, we often see this when an employee, you know, goes off on a leave of absence due to medical issues. And then, you know, they try to come back and the employer makes it difficult because they found someone to replace the employee while that employee was gone, uh, which, of course, they're entitled to do. Uh, you know, the law is pretty clear that a company doesn't have to shutter their windows because somebody is on a medical leave. And medical leaves can be really difficult, too, because, you know, prognoses change and, uh, you know, it can be very unclear as to when somebody's going to come back. So if if anything uh, long term is being projected, then an employer will often hire somebody else to fill that spot. And if they're really good, then what do you do when all of a sudden you've got the right. person who's on disability leave um, trying to come back? But Room still needs to be made for the employee who's coming back. Um, and, you know, it, it should be to a job that is comparable, both in terms of pay and in stature. And if it's not, then you've been terminated. Mm-hmm. And, you know, if a company can't accommodate you, if a company can't move you to another position, that's fine, you know, as long as they've made every effort to look for a position. But then, you know, then they have to pay you the severance. Then they have to treat that as a termination and you're entitled to severance. So if this occurs, if you're on leave and you're trying to come back and your employer is making it difficult, I I really encourage you to call a lawyer because this situation can be very fact-specific. You've got a lot of issues at play. You've got the human rights code, the duty to accommodate, potential constructive terminations, possibly just a straight-up termination. And oftentimes, the employer itself won't know what laws apply. So if you're on leave... And really, any kind of leave. If you're on, a, you know, maternity leave or a parental leave, um, a medical leave, any kind of leave, and you are trying to come back from work, and it's just not really fitting in the way that you thought it would, give an employment lawyer a call. It, it and that was the next one, but you kind of covered it there. And this is, you know, the old "don't mess with mama" coffee mug, and that is if you're pregnant or had a baby <laughs> or your employer does basically anything to you. Not yeah. Good. Yeah, I mean, yeah. let's get the coffee mugs going. Let's get the bumper stickers and <laughs> the, the workplace posters. Yeah, don't yeah. just don't mess with the mamas. And you know that's way more common than you would think. People still getting uh, demoted or iced out or denied a promotion or right. you know not allowed to come back to work because they've either announced they're pregnant um, or or they're trying to come back from a maternity leave. And uh, you know, I had one woman, and this always stands out to me, who was 22 weeks pregnant. And the company said, you need your rest. You, you could just go home and start your leave now. Um, Yeah. You know, and, and well, it would be nice, except that they weren't doing any kind of top up and this woman wanted to work. Right. So the sad thing is that this company probably really genuinely believed that they were doing the nice thing here, but that is no question illegal. Um, So in in either scenario, you know, you're on medical leave or you're on uh, maternity leave. It's so important that you contact an employer to help protect your rights. We are done for the day. Nicely done, my friend. We'll take it again next weekend. In the meantime, to contact Leah, the rest of the team, help at employmenthour.com. you got 604-283-3123. And always go to severancepaycalculator.com as well. Till next time, the Employment Hour right here on CKNW.